we could be living in what some call the post-truth generation, but the battle for truth is generational. The battle for truth has been going on for a millennia, and it's not a spectator sport. We all should be involved. These critical times demand the utmost discernment. In fact, the gift of the discerning of spirits is priceless and can even be a matter of life and death. 2 Thessalonians 2.11 warns that not loving the truth will result in great delusion. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. When the New Testament speaks of false prophets, the Greek word for false is pseudo, meaning a phony, a sham, a false teacher who will lead many astray. Unfortunately, there's always a big audience for lies and misinformation. We're living in great days of apostasy leading up to the second coming of Jesus. And according to a recent Pew Research Center survey, 33% of American adults claim to believe in reincarnation, and 41% claim to believe in psychic energy. This survey was recently reported in the Jerusalem Post newspaper, and there is a noticeable change of thought going on. Reincarnation, past life regression therapy, and consulting the dead are no longer considered to be fringe beliefs. And we shouldn't be surprised because Jesus himself warned that the main characteristic of the end times will be deception and false prophets. Literally every moment of every day, forces on both sides of good and evil are engaged in a relentless battle for our minds. And it takes a lot of spiritual strength to be engaged in this level of spiritual warfare daily. Virtually everything on television that we hear on the radio and look at on the internet is designed to affect our worldview. Our educational systems, our largest corporations and politicians are also engaged in this culture war. The good news is that all the signs are converging that Jesus is soon set to return and this Bible fact is backed up with headlines, including an article sent out by Prophecy Newswatch called Insect Apocalypse. Now, that's not the title of a horror movie, but apparently it's reality. First of all, according to the article, the world is losing insect species at a staggering rate. In fact, one report found that a whopping 40% of all insect species are on the verge of extinction. Each year, about 1% is reportedly added to the list. Shockingly, the report noted that the decline is equivalent to the most massive extinction episode since the dinosaurs disappeared. An Australian researcher told The Guardian newspaper that we're looking at only about 100 years before all the insects are gone. But devastation to the natural habitat was foretold in the Bible in the book of Revelation. The world's ecosystems will be ruined. God has his own great reset to come. 
Yet I want to share a comforting word from the word, and that's in Genesis 8.22, assuring us that after the devastating universal flood, God said to his servant Noah, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So if scientists tell us that we're headed toward the loss of all insects, that's just another sign that Jesus must be coming soon to take control of this world. Because as I've just read to you, the word of God promises that seed time and harvest in the seasons will continue until the end of this age. The article on the insect apocalypse also mentioned a fish apocalypse. According to a new report that was just released by 16 conservation groups, one-third of all freshwater fish species on the entire planet are now facing extinction. Well, that also sounds like a scenario out of the book of Revelation. Revelation 8-9 foretells that a third of the living creatures in the sea will die and a third of the ships will be destroyed during the Great Tribulation. Meanwhile, the number of wild animals living on earth is set to fall by two-thirds. It's all part of the mass extinction that's wreaking havoc on the natural habitat. Researchers from the Zoological Society of London compiled a report indicating that between 1970 and 2012, animal populations plummeted by 58%. And even the human species is endangered. The decline in human fertility has been particularly dramatic in the Western world. Birth rates in some Western nations have already dropped below replacement level. But one of the most sinister prophetic trends concerns the depths of deception that Jesus warned about for the last days. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, 33% of American adults now claim to believe in reincarnation, and 41% say they believe in psychic energy, according to that survey by the nonpartisan think tank called the Pew Research Center in Washington, D.C. Psychic energy is claimed to be the ability to connect with the afterworld, but the Bible states that such connections are, in fact, demonic. And any attempt to contact the dead is clearly prohibited by the Almighty. Nevertheless, millions of people claim to have experienced some kind of connection with the afterworld, whether through a near-death experience, an alleged past life experience, or contact with unidentified flying objects, UFOs. Extensive academic research has been conducted on near-death experiences, and even now, universities are offering courses on the spirit world. Furthermore, because of the coronavirus, more and more people are contemplating death and the afterlife. A Netflix series called Surviving Death has become a huge hit, exploring questions such as what it means to die and whether death is the end of our existence. And it's amazing to me how Millionaires and billionaires seek eternal life by trying somehow to circumvent God's decree of death upon all sinners. You see, unless the rapture happens first, we will all die. From time to time, the rich become deluded into thinking that they can somehow escape death. 
The world's richest man was in the news recently trying to recruit some of the world's top genetic scientists to unravel the secrets of eternal life. The billionaire quoted evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins that staving off death is a thing you have to work at. Well, according to the Jerusalem Post, intense interest in existence beyond life has not escaped Israel. A slight scratch on the online surface reveals a whole world of Israeli therapists, hypnotists, mediums, and developmental psychologists studying the human spirit. So-called past-life regression therapists claim that many mental health issues may have their origins in traumatic experiences of alleged past lives. These therapists seem to be unaware that demonic familiar spirits can give false information about these alleged past lives. You see, familiar spirits even have the capacity to speak foreign languages because, after all, they're demons and they're familiar with lots of information because they've been around for a long time and they have acquired a lot of masquerading skills and data to dupe gullible individuals. The Torah says we're not allowed to inquire the dead. In the Bible, there is binding prohibition against attempting to make contact with the dead. In fact, I can quote you chapter and verse. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning with verse 9. It says, when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable practices of the nations there. Do not allow your people to practice fortune telling or to use sorcery or to interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or try to call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And it is because the other nations have done these detestable practices that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Also from the prophets in Isaiah, Isaiah 8, 19, listen to this prohibition. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Amen. Well, one of the communities in the Middle East that also live in Israel are the Druze. Now, I didn't say Jews. I said Druze, spelled D-R-U-Z-E or D-R-U-S-E. The Israeli Druze speak both Arabic and Hebrew, and they're loyal to the state of Israel. The Druze self-identify as the people of monotheism, and their DNA is very much entwined with the Jews. The father-in-law of Moses, Jethro, a man mentioned in the Hebrew Bible, is revered as the chief prophet of the Druze. Although monotheist, I was surprised to learn that the Druze also believe in successive reincarnations. I've only preached once in a Druze village in the Galilee, but you can be sure that my text was John chapter 3 and verse 3. 
where Jesus told Rabbi Nicodemus, the teacher in Israel, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So Jesus taught, we must be born again. But what did he mean by that? Jesus was not speaking of the concept of reincarnation. He was speaking of regeneration, the rebirth of the soul once for time and eternity. Jesus taught that admission into the kingdom of God is by the new birth of a person's spirit. A person can't be regenerated by his or her own power or efforts, but we are regenerated from above by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit alone who implants within our soul the new creation, the new birth. And the characteristic of a regenerated soul is a change of heart, repentance, a change of heart from carelessness about God. We're changed into a state of loving the Lord and wanting to be obedient to Him. And we become grateful and loyal to Him. A regenerated heart and a regenerated mind have new priorities and new goals. And we look for the return of the Lord and yearn for His righteous government and true justice upon this earth. Regeneration, being born again, is life's greatest change which God works in the soul. God brings the soul into life. God raises the soul from the death of sin into a new life of imputed righteousness. So in Christianity, we have to be born again only once. There is no reincarnation, no transmigration of souls. But shockingly, in Judaism, I learned that the Kabbalists believe in reincarnation. A 13th century text called the Zohar refers to the doctrine of reincarnation in a number of passages. And according to an article that I found at the popular Jewish Chabad website, there is an unbelievable statement that every soul must be repeatedly reincarnated until it has fulfilled all 613 mitzvot, the commandments, in thought, speech, and action. Well, that heresy, unfortunately, boils down to a doctrine of salvation by works over many laborious lifetimes until finally the soul saves itself through its own repetitive works. Let me say very clearly that the heresy of reincarnation is totally contrary to the Bible. But have you ever really understood the gospel? The New Testament emphatically teaches that we cannot save ourselves. And that's why the gospel is such good news. God sent us the priceless gift of the Savior, Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. And what a relief to learn in the New Testament that salvation is the free, unmerited gift of God so that nobody can boast. A thousand lifetimes of reincarnation can never achieve the pure atonement that Jesus achieved for us and gives to us as a free gift. Because of his atoning work on the cross, forgiveness of sins and regeneration of spirit are freely imparted and given to repentant sinners. So we praise God for the truth expressed by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. 
Salvation is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Sadly, another article on the internet under the headline, Do Jews Believe in Reincarnation? ended like this, and I want to quote, When someone passes away, we pray that their soul finds rest in heaven because that's where the already used part of the soul is found. As for the unused part of the soul, it will come back down for another go around. End quote. The bottom line of that tragic doctrine is that you just keep reincarnating and reincarnating until you reach nirvana. Nirvana is a fictional state of deception where there's no more suffering, no desire, no sense of self, and the soul is finally released from the cycle of deaths and rebirths into nothingness. But is that the truth? No. The Bible clearly teaches in Hebrews 9.22, and please listen very carefully. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. So the Bible clearly denies and negates the lie of tiresome cycles of reincarnation. Hallelujah. By the way, it's so interesting that the Hebrew word for life is haim, which is a plural word to emphasize that life can't be lived alone, but must be shared with the Almighty. According to the Hebrew for Christians website, the word for life, chaim, is a plural noun containing two consecutive letter yods, which is a picture of two hands together, depicting the union of our spirit with God's spirit. So the plural Hebrew word chaim, life, reveals that there's no real life apart from union with God. He extends his hand to us and says, live in me. And that's the description really of John 14, 23, where Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's definitely a plural way of life. But in the false doctrine of reincarnation, you just get recycled and recycled without end. You're the same soul, but you come back in another form, maybe a rat, an insect, a cow. But how demeaning to God's highest creation, mankind. But for sure, if you did wrong, you're condemned to come back as something worse or bad. And what a terrible lie. That's Satan's way of teaching that you don't have to come to terms with your sins in this lifetime. But we must. Our sins must be forgiven and washed away by the atoning blood of Jesus, the world's only Savior. If we repent of our sins in this lifetime and put our trust in the Savior, we are promised eternal life. No recycling is necessary. Hallelujah. And we don't need a billionaire's money to get it because it's a free gift from God. Along with reincarnation, there's also the ancient heresy known as absorption. The absorption line goes like this. When you die, your soul is assimilated into the universal deity. Like the Borg conglomerate on TV's Star Trek, you'll be assimilated. 
Absorption erroneously teaches that your personal identity will be lost or somehow absorbed back into the cosmic mind when you die. You just conveniently cease to exist. Even a British theologian wrote that we're all absorbed like drops of water back into God. But the Bible doesn't teach anything like that. The Bible teaches that our individual souls live on forever in a resurrected body with our own identity intact. So let's not be deceived. The Bible teaches a future permanence of everybody's character, either good or bad. Daniel 12.2 proclaims that multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This text says even bodies that have been reduced to dust will be raised to everlasting life or contempt. This verse not only teaches the doctrine of a general resurrection, but also the facts of eternal life, the resurrection of the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. So what is eternal life? Well, John 17, 3 declares, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus the Messiah whom you have sent. The commentaries explain that Jesus is eternal life. He is the spring and the source of eternal life to others. He's the essence and substance of eternal life in himself. And how is his eternal life obtained? Well, Jesus told us solemnly in John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Notice that the gift of eternal life is spoken of in the present tense. He said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That means eternal life begins here in this lifetime when we exercise belief, saving faith in the Lord. If you believe in Jesus, you've already passed from death to life and you already possess the gift of eternal life here and now. Hallelujah. We need to receive that. Now, I also want you to notice verse 3 of Daniel 12. It's one of my favorite verses. So I just can't pass over it today. And first in context, remember it, it said that many that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. But then verse 3 follows, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Oh, what a promise. Think about that. Believers who turn many to righteousness and who are wise, those who are clear-eyed, will have a glory, a brilliance more brilliant than the stars. Why? Because the light of the stars will eventually fade and die. But this Bible promise says godly believers will shine forever and ever. Our brightness will never fade. Most of all today, without apology, I need to say, if you've never invited the Lord into your heart, it's time to ask the Savior to come into your heart right now to give you peace and security and the gift of eternal life, the gift of a regenerated, born-again spirit so that you will be born from above. No need for a reincarnation in this life we're only promised today, not tomorrow. So I urge you to surrender your life to the Lord while there's yet time. 
Thank God we don't have to dread an endless cycle of reincarnation because eternal life is the gift of God to everybody who repents of their sins. Oh, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Today, I want to leave you with 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 3 and 4. Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So you might ask, according to what scriptures? Where is all of that found in the Hebrew Bible? Well, it's found in Isaiah 53, among other places, but certainly Isaiah 53, verse 4. It proclaims, surely he bore our diseases and carried our pains, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace, of our well-being, fell on him, and by his stripes, by his scourging, we are healed. You see, the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on the body of Jesus. He paid the price for our sins. And verse 10 of Isaiah 53 also says, The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, and he rendered himself as a guilt offering. This is because the Messiah came into the world at the exact time the prophet Daniel predicted to be slain for the sins of his people. So the good news is that Messiah Yeshua died for our sins according to the scriptures. And many other scriptures foretold his substitutionary death pictured in the sacrificial system in the Bible. Therefore, the saying is true and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Amen. Never fail to put your trust in him. Repentance is an ongoing disposition of life in Messiah, since it rightly relates us to God. First, we encounter our incurable sickness, which is the inner contradiction and bondage of soul that both loves and hates sin at the same time. And then we seek God's saving power in Jesus. As the Apostle Paul anguished, wretched and miserable man that I am, who will save me? Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he says, it is God alone through Jesus who will do it. So that's the first step to know the miserable creatures that we really are in God's sight and to recognize the slavery of our own will to want to sin. And then secondly, we have to become willing to surrender this sickness of soul to God's care in Jesus. As the Lord said, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick do. So he said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Well, there's much more to share with you at our website, exploits.tv, which brings you news on current and end time events regarding both the church and the nation of Israel. At our website and Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, you'll find a library of videos 24-7, and we also invite you to sign up for our free electronic magazine called Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, which declares that the people who know their God will be strong and will do exploits, meaning that we're going to fulfill the works of the Lord in the remaining time before His imminent return. 
Feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media and download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app for your phones or tablets. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. In the evil day, pray without ceasing. Maranatha, the Lord is at hand. The grace of the Lord be with you. I'm Christine Darig. Shalom.